Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Settle down, everybody. Stop that extraneous noise, people. Bonnie? I know. Well, I was going to say something to you up here about our 177th show, but I tell you, my mind is so full of stuff from everything I've done today, I can't think that straight. Okay. Well, let's hope that clears up a little bit while we're doing the podcast. (laughs) Good luck, Adam. (laughs) Thank you, Bonnie. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's the 177th episode of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, they're big, they're sinister. They're highly organized, and they're everywhere watching your every move. No, I'm not talking about Facebook. I'm talking about crows. Ornithological expert Dr. Brian O'Shea is here to answer all our questions, including how do you administer first aid to somebody who attempts to say ornithological? Ah. Also, in honor of our Milestone 177th show, we'll be getting to know each other better by playing Two Truths and a Lie. Unless that's my lie. But if it was, that'd mean we are playing it, so it's not a lie. You're welcome, Paradox fans. I'm Adam Felber, spending all my time here just counting crows. And now, please welcome the woman who hears the raven say nevermore and just keeps right on talking. It's Paula Poundstone. Hey, Adam. Barney. Tony Nidahoe, and thanks to tonight's house band, Nobody, Ellis Montez from Montreal, Quebec, on the Crumb Horn. You can find his music on YouTube and find him on Instagram at ellis.montez. Uh, that's M-O-N-T-E-S. Uh, Tony, are you already Googling what a crumb horn is? <laughs> I've already Googled it. Oh, <laughs> boy. And? It's a double reed wind instrument. Oh. Of course. That's exactly what I thought it was. I did not, because uh, most horns don't have are not reed instruments, as far as I know. A clarinet's a horn. Uh, clarinet's a horn. Yeah. 
Hornet's a horn. It's a woodwind. It's a horn. All right. Um, I got to tell the listeners something. Uh, so just before we began to record, I had said to my co-workers that I pretty much never want to be awake anymore. I mean, I am awake. I'm very active. I work hard. But, you know, I, I just feel like being asleep all the time. It was kind of a cry for help. I mean, the way I hear it, it was kind of a cry for help. And our recording engineer, Rebecca, said, okay, let's get going. Like, right after I said, <laughs> that's kind of... Absolutely that's, true. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of uh, caring that I receive uh, in this company. So you know what? you know what I spent hours doing last night? Um, my neighbor, the one who was building the house for four years, had pumpkins that she was finished with. And ironically, she asked me if I wanted them for my mulch. And I said that I did. And so there's one. It, it, it's got to be 10 or 15 pounds. Whoa. And I didn't get through the whole thing, but I chopped up probably half of it into little teeny pieces uh, so that I can uh, feed my worms. Wow. Mm. That is a lot. My my hand is sore. There's like marks on my fingers from the knife because I was using it backwards. And uh, I've, I thought, you know, there's something very pilgrim about the work that I'm doing. I'm sure that the widow Jenkins didn't make it to the festive dinner um, because she was laid up from chopping up the pumpkin. The widow Jenkins? Yeah. I just picture the widow Jenkins being somebody that was supposed to have been at some sort of gathering. It sounds like your neighbor now lives in the house. Ah, uh, yeah. They still have the noisy uh, air conditioner outside my bedroom. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> they still find a way to be obnoxious. Um, I think that, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe offering me her rotting pumpkins was a breakthrough. It could be. Yeah. Next thing you know, she won't be running the air conditioner because it's winter. Yeah, yeah. Then they'll have some loud heater uh, or just they'll just start <laughs> fires every night. This is a festive occasion, Paula, so I do want to keep it positive. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Congratulations, everybody, on our 177th show. I sent everybody water bottles that say nobody listens to Paula Poundstone 177th show. Did you all get your water bottles? I did, I did, and it's beautiful. And you know, it's such a such an amazing milestone. One seventy seven. It's a it's a, it's such a big number for us. I mean, when we hit sixty one, oh my gosh! I thought we're never going to hit an, a milestone as big as that. But here we are at one seventy seven. One seventy seven. What is that? The golden anniversary? What's the one seventy seven? It's something like that. It, it's yeah. it's you know it's it's one of those big numbers. It's either gold or gilt. It's the Dogecoin. What is it? What the is Dogecoin. it? Dogecoin. Yeah, it's yeah, the Dogecoin it's, it's, anniversary. Yeah. yeah. And happy Dogecoin anniversary, Paula. To you too, Adam. I could not think of a better crew to have done this with. Oh, my gosh. With. I couldn't have done it with anybody everyone. else. I tried. That's right. There's a lot of people I tried to get to do it with me, and they wouldn't. So th I could not have done it with anybody else. <laughs> yeah, literally nobody else agreed to do it. Yeah, exactly. So we've got uh, we've got another big announcement right here. Can I turn our attention to the book club? Oh, do let's. Because after you, the listeners, voted, the book that we are going to be reading starting in two weeks in our book club is, are you ready? Yes. Fight Club. Fight All right. Club. Fight Club, everybody. Fight, 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 fight. That's exciting. I've seen the movie, but I've never read the book. Have you, Paula? No, I haven't even seen the movie. So, uh, so there. 
Yeah, so, so we're giving all of you guys uh, some time. We're giving you two weeks. So in two weeks, we're going to be discussing Fight Club chapters one through five, and it's going to be super. So uh, go out, get the book, read those first five chapters. The listeners wanted it, and we're delivering. <laughs> so it's on you, listeners. Fight Club. Fight, 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 fight. I think we're going to take on a lot more readers now that, Absolutely. that we're finally shed of Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> All right. So with that in mind, this is our last time for a while to go around the horn and find out what's going on uh, with our with the rest of our cast of characters on this very important 177th episode. So let's head to Bonnie Burns in the Simi Valley. Hi, Bonnie. Oh, dang. Hi. <laughs> Bonnie, how are you celebrating oh, our 177th anniversary show? <laughs> You know, I feel today like I'm going to be, you know, like when Letterman would do a show and he'd have a guest on, and no matter what he asked the guests, the guests would go, yeah, no. I just feel like I don't have anything forthcoming. I've been working really hard today on a lot of stuff, and I just, my mind is, there's too many thoughts in here. Oh, you have too many thoughts? Too many thoughts to share any of them. Wait. Share with us one of the things that was distracting you all day. Well, I don't think you want that one, so I'll just go on another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, okay. How about the other one? Well, here's a piece of information. That crumhorn, yeah. it's from Germany, and crumb means bent. And so it's a horn that's bent. And it dates back to, like, the 14th century when they first saw paintings of somebody blowing the crumb horn now that doesn't count bonnie and, and it doesn't make any sense it dates back <laughs> I, to when they first saw somebody blowing the crumb horn then there already was a crumb <laughs> horn no okay that's like the way columbus discovered america <laughs> he, he came here some people were living here and he discovered it that's not discovering um no I, bonnie they know that it was around that far back because that's They've seen it in paintings then, is what I was trying to say. It doesn't make any sense. Um, Not any at all. <laughs> all right. Nor take... was that a piece of your life from today. That's something that you just Googled while we were talking. Okay. Here, I'll tell something embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> wait. I don't think I should tell you this one either. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> take the... Okay, wait, wait. Uh, you know how your brain is just full of so many things that are distracting you? Yeah. Take the third one from the bottom. <laughs> okay, let's see. Well, now Adam's going to think I'm promoting you, but you've got two dates this weekend, and I was getting everything done for those dates, and it's very easy to get them confused. So you have to keep that straight in your head. What do you mean it's easy to get them confused? People might not know this, but every time Paula goes on the road, she gets a sheet called an advance, and it just tells her blow by blow every single thing she has to do. And guess who does that sheet and gets all that information and arranges for it? Who? I don't have to guess. I know that that's you, Bonnie. It is. Oh, it's no wonder your brain is full of stuff. No, that's um, not. Yeah. So wait, th this was supposed to be no. embarrassing. Oh, all right. So here's what really <laughs> happened here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Remember when I said that I was on this medication? This oh, Jesus. And they discontinued it, remember? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I got off of that. And can I just tell you that 
I have had this renewed energy. Like one reason our house looks like it does is because every time I'd go to like pick something up and put it away or something, I'd go, ah, what difference does it make? I'll do it tomorrow. But since I've been off this pill, I have this energy and I get up in the morning and I start going, I'm taking this stuff into the garage. I'm moving this. I should have a nice place to be sitting in. And I did that for two hours this morning. And so I didn't get a chance to do the work I normally do. And then it was all jammed to catch up. That's well, fundamentally unembarrassing. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, it's a beautiful story of manic behavior. Um, <laughs> so before you before you would like start to put something away and you'd go uh oh, why 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 bother I'll just do it tomorrow uh, what difference does it make oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, so you were you were you were suffering from what they call Clarice syndrome and uh, Clarice is the is Rudolph's <laughs> girlfriend in Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer the uh, claymation show that was on every year at Christmas time when I was growing up. Because she used to sing, there's always tomorrow for dreams to come true. And uh, her place was a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, Bonnie, thank you. Thank you for that story. Let's uh, No problem. Let's, let's waste no time and, and head down to Tony Anita Hall, <laughs> cruising through Sherman Oaks, California. Yeah, I had a friend in town from New York City, and we played a lot of pool. So I feel like I'm kind of like a pool shark now. Ooh. Ooh. I feel like I can hustle people. Wow. Did you beat her a lot? We ended up being about even. Tony, a pool shark isn't somebody who's about as good as everybody they play. <laughs> well, I'm getting there. More practice, and I'm going to be there. Yeah. I have confidence in myself. She just has to find a collection of, of players that are worse than her. Exactly. And then she's a pool shark. And yet willing to bet large sums of money. <laughs> yes. And then Tony will <laughs> pretend to be just as bad as them and turn out to be slightly better. Oh. <laughs> Until they break her thumbs in the men's room. Tony has more <laughs> friends than anyone I've ever known. And she's she not does. that old. You know, you get to a certain age. Sure, you've collected, you know, friends from where your kids went to school, from where you went to school, from where you've worked, right? But Tony's got, I mean, she's, Tony, Tony's whole life is like, is like a large scale <laughs> musical. She just walks That's down awesome. the street and everybody knows her. <laughs> and they go, uh, Everyone say hello to Tony now. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Hello, hello. Makes me so happy. It's the opening scene of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> bonjour, bonjour. There goes that girl who's at a quit at pool now. She's going to make a little bet. <laughs> hey. Hey, you guys. What? Paul and Adam, can you ask Tony if she played in a billiard hall? Why don't you ask her? Because I don't want to step on your interview. Okay. We're not interviewing. <laughs> We're having a conversation. Oh, my God. Wasn't it last week Bonnie told, told us that she knew how to work a room? Yes, it was. Oh, this isn't a room. Well, but now while we're having a social conversation, she asks you and me to ask Tony a question. Oh, my God. Yeah, I thought maybe they'd had some kind of bitter fight over the week. Yeah, please ask Tony. 
if she was at a billiards no, parlor. No, I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, what would you like to tell Bonnie about that question? <laughs> you can tell Bonnie I was in a billiards hall playing pool. I mean, that's interesting. I'm telling all of you because, you know, she was hanging out in one of those billiard parlor places. Our little Tony Anita Hall. (laughs) Bonnie, is there any way, whether it's going to another country or or some sort of black market, that you could get that medication you were on again? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I think we've gone around the horn uh, adequately now. I am super entertained. Uh. And... uh, what could make my life better on this 177th show if Paula could break out a vocabulary word? Adam, hold it. Oh, wait. Oh. oh, Adam, I have a word. It's Do you? It's preponderance. It's a noun that means the state of being greater in number. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. It is a daily struggle to keep the preponderance of my thoughts from contributing to paralyzing anxiety. We have a preponderance of show, so let's get this right into the vocabulary song. This week's word is preponderance. It's a noun that means the state of being greater in number. Most jacks want to chop lumber. Last week's (laughs) word was amnesic. It's a noun or an adjective that means experiencing or relating to a partial or total loss of memory. It happened a lot to Victoria Barclay on the Big Valley. The week before that, the word was palanquin. It's a noun that means a covered litter for one passenger consisting of a large box carried on two horizontal poles by four or six bearers, not a mode of transportation for really great sharers. Going back before that, the word was maunder. It's a verb that means talk in a rambling manner. Someone who talks about Archie comic salad spinners, mood rings, and Matthew McConaughey in a talk (laughs) on oil prices isn't a very good speech planner. And not long ago, the word was mephitic. It's an adjective that means smelling very unpleasant, like really old pheasant. Mephitic, 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 P.O. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, <laughs> which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. Yeah. 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 That was great, Paula. I mean, I I heard a couple of clams there on the Glock, but otherwise that was a fantastic song. Oh, yeah. Well, clams are in limited supply now, so that was, you know what? I felt that. That was a special 177th episode uh, presentation. Tony Nidahull. Yes. If you can use this week's word preponderance correctly in a sentence on three occasions during this show... We will give dollars worth of advertising to Sisters Uptown Bookstore at 1942 Amsterdam Avenue in New York City. 
But only if you do it three times, right, Paula? That is correct. It has to be three occasions correctly using the word preponderance in a sentence. Didn't work out last week that well with amnesic. Well, no, it didn't work out so well with amnesic. In fairness, uh, Tony was amnesic. Um, (laughs) And this week it has the added challenge of her and Bonnie not speaking. Oh, that's a good point. Well, she may say to us, you can tell that Bonnie Burns... I have a preponderance of angry thoughts. Um, So, yeah, I would love to give dollars worth of advertising to Sisters Uptown Bookstore at 1942 Amsterdam Avenue in New York City. But all of that hangs in the balance. A lot of pressure. It's all on Tony Anita Hull's shoulders. Yeah, pool shark Tony Anita Hull. (laughs) Coming up. Sitting Bull said, each man is good in his sight. It is not necessary for eagles to be crows, which was so totally meant for General Custer that it's thought to be history's first subtweet. And speaking of tweets, we'll be talking crows when we come back on episode 177 Yay! of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Booga boog boog boog, it's our 177th show. Booga boog boog boog, something you need to know. Booga boog, booga boog, our 177th show. Wow. <laughs> Bonnie, did you just theme song my throw to commercial? <laughs> God damn it, Bonnie. It was a beautiful song. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince. Of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There, there's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds, yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. These are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft (laughs) and and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Gwen sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, an ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress with my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. 
You know, I think Bonnie got the midnight lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, James Madison said, They'll know what a well-regulated militia is, right? Sure they will. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> nice. Thank you, house band Ellis Montes and Paula Poundstone. I'm just so fascinated with that compost pile of yours. Do you have any other anecdotes to tell me about it? Well, I do. Adam, Adam, I was out digging in my compost pile today, aerating it the way one does, and there was a crow or a blackbird, I, I, I don't know, out there staring at me suspiciously, as if I were burying a body. What do you think it has on me? We, we have a lot of those birds in our trees, and I've been nothing but kind to the crows or... Blackbirds, whatever they are. I wish I knew what they were thinking. O-M-G, Paula. What? I can't believe this keeps happening. It's like we're in sync. But uh, we just so happen to have an expert in the subject of crows right here. Get out of town. No. Yeah, yeah. Episode 177 is uniquely blessed with, with fortuitous <laughs> serendipity. Dr. Brian O'Shea is the collections manager for ornithology and a bird curator at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences in Raleigh. Please welcome Dr. Brian O'Shea. Welcome, Brian. Hello. Brian. Hey, thank you so much for being with us. Let, let me just start out by asking you, are blackbirds and crows the same thing? No. Um, crows are blackbirds, but not all blackbirds are crows. Um, oh. ah. Yeah, crows, so crows are in the family Corvidae. This is the same family that has blue jays, magpies, um, and ravens. Ravens. Yes. Uh, now that's but, something that confuses me. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't know the difference between a crow and a raven. Uh, ravens are like enormous crows. Um, they're sort of crows at a whole other level, I would say. Uh, blackbirds, on the other hand, are just are just blackbirds are fa are in the family Icteridae, which is a family of birds that's only found in the um, Western Hemisphere, and they're completely unrelated to crows. Oh, and really? A lot of blackbirds are not actually black. Um, they have a lot of them have black on them, but they also have a lot of other co other colors. Uh, whereas crows oh. are predominantly black, black and white, or black and gray. 
All right. Well, then these must be crows, right, that are in the trees outside well, my house. that depends. It probably are, yes. Um, are they large? Yes. Do they call? Yes. They're probably crows. <laughs> and they, and they <laughs> hop, hop around and stare at me. Now, Sound like crows. There, there are so many of them. We have a pine tree in my neighbor's yard that is enormous. Like when that pine tree falls, it's going to hit my house. And there's layers of, up, up top, there's, there's, I think, multiple nests up there of crows. Do, do they have families or social groups, crows? Yes, they do. Um, crows are, well, the crows are to varying degrees social. They, they tend to be in family groups during the breeding season. And that's usually one pair of crows that's actively breeding. And then they often bring in a young from a previous year that will help them at the nest, help them raise the young. Wow. Now, not all crows do that. Um, and even within one species, the American crow, which is the widespread crow that we have across um, all of North America, um, there seems to be some variation in the degree of sociality during the breeding season. Um, in the non-breeding season, crows are very social. They, they flock together, sometimes in flocks of thousands. Thousands? Where would you see that? You can see flocks of thousands of crows in a lot of places, um, but generally in areas where there's a lot of food. So you will find them in agricultural lands, uh, sometimes in big cities. You can see large flocks of crows uh, around landfills where there's a lot of food for them. You can find large flocks of crows there too. You can tell an American crow because they have that Lee Greenwood song from Trump's <laughs> rallies on their cell phone. Uh, that's how you can tell American crow. Um, all right, so they function in these, they have like the older child come babysit at, uh, in the family group, but then they also gather in larger what would make them join a group? Is there a hazing? How do they decide if they're if they're jets or sharks? I just think they're all crows. They just decide, hey, we're all crows. We're all going to band together, and we're going to all going to forage together and look out for each other. I think that's kind of I think that's kind of what they do. So um, there's no initiation ritual or anything. There's no initiation ritual that I know of. I've never a crow seen. can just wander into a new crow group and like nobody will nobody will say anything. It depends on the season. But during the breeding season, there might be some some pushback. There there is some territoriality among crows during the breeding season. But during the non-breeding season, anything goes. Now, one of the things that happens on our street, we have some junk food restaurants down the street from us. And I, oh, I should stop bragging. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we live near a jack-in-the-box. So... Uh, Sometimes somebody will, uh, for some reason that I've never understood, throw their jack-in-the-box trash out the window of their car in the middle of our street, and there'll be a, a gathering of crows hopping around, chowing down on that stuff. A um, murder of crows? I, I think it is a murder of crows. What do they usually eat? They don't always get the fast food, do they? <laughs> They'll get it wherever they can. Uh, they Crows eat anything, absolutely anything. Um, you name it, crows probably eat it. Uh, the one thing they don't... If mankind wasn't fucking up the earth, what would a crow eat? Dead things, mostly. Dead yeah. things, uh, nuts. But I'm sorry, you were just saying the one thing they don't eat. I, I want to hear what that is. Well, one, what I was going to say is that they don't... They're not predators in the sense that they're going to go and kill you know, animals to eat them. Um, anything bigger than a grub or maybe a mouse. Um, huh. So, but, but on the other hand, any road-killed animal is fair game. Um, 
And before humans came along, they ate a lot of acorns, they, they eat nuts, they eat um, grubs, they eat a lot of different things. Will they eat a dead crow? Sure. I don't see why not. No. no actually, I don't, think, I don't know if they will. I'm, you know, part of, the re- part of the reason we don't know that is because it's, it's pretty rare to find a dead crow. Really? Um, well, they're very smart, and they don't <laughs> tend to do the stupid things that a lot of other birds do that get themselves killed. They don't run into windows. They don't get hit by cars. So they die in bed. We had a dead crow in our street one time, and uh, it was a big party street for crows. And uh, it was high till it was low. Crows were making noise and shouting for the longest time uh, over that dead crow. Probably, yeah. Uh, Do they have some sort of ritual surrounding a, a dead uh, comrade? That's a great question, and I'm, uh, I'm not entirely sure if they do. Um, I wouldn't, you know, it's, crows are, like I said, they're very social animals, they're very intelligent, and there is probably a lot uh, of communication among crows on a level that we don't really understand. Um, I will say that any social animal like that, with that degree of intelligence, does seem to have some sort of mourning rituals when uh, one of their comrades dies. So I've often seen crows gathering around a dead crow in in the same way that you described. Um, whether they're mourning or whether they're just trying to figure out what killed it, I, I can't really say. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. it could be the will. It could, <laughs> yeah. be, it could be arguing over who gets what. That that's, happens with a lot of the higher animals. Now, you, yeah. said, they were, you said they were smart, and I, I, I think I might have heard that before, but how, how smart are they? They're very smart. Um, I have uh, any number of stories. I could tell one story about crows that I – that just touches on me personally because, you know, I've liked birds since I was a little kid. And when I first started my job at this museum about 10 years ago, one of the first things I was asked to do was help get crows out of the building next door. The building next door was, was (laughs) unfinished. We were expanding the museum and we were making a, a, a big new wing and it was mostly glass. And the guys, the contractors who would come in and work on the building would bring their lunches in there and then they would leave a lot of the bags lying around, jack in the box, things like that. And the crows would go in there. And they would, and they would, you know, take advantage of it. So they would. So one day these crows went in, and they couldn't get out. They, um, I think, they got spooked by somebody who came through a door when they weren't expecting it, and rather than fly out the way they'd come in, they flew straight up. So now this building is like this giant crow trap, and I was, I was called in to try to, to try to get rid of the crows, and to try to talk them down. It's exactly what I was trying to do. You were the negotiator. You were Samuel L. Jackson. I was. You got and, on the phone with the crows and asked them what they wanted and kept them calm. Well, the funny thing about it was that somehow I got a hold of, you know those neon orange peanut butter and cheese crackers that they sell in gas stations? Yeah. Well, I got some of those, and I, was, and I don't know how I got them. They just, they just appeared magically, and I said, wow, this is exactly what I need because at the ground level there was the door frame of the building with no door in it, and the whole rest of the wall was glass. So I made a trail of these crackers going out the door. And then I started walking back and forth in and out of the door. And as I did that, I looked up at the crows, and they were looking at me really intently. And kind of, I, could, I swear they were looking at each other and looking at me and looking at each other and looking at me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I think, they, I think I've kind of communicated to them that this is the way out of the building. So I sort of retreated into the corner, and I watched. And, and sure enough, these crows started coming down. They started coming down a little lower and a little lower, and they would look at each other, and they would look at me and just make sure that I was you know, staying in my corner. And I thought, well, maybe they're coming down for the food. But they were actually beginning to eye that opening in the, in the wall. They're like, oh, that's the way out. Okay. 
So then they came down and came down and came down. And the first crow that tried it smacked right into the glass right next to the door. Oh, <laughs> so, oh man. Yeah, yeah, I know. That, I guess their intelligence has its limits. But look, I mean. It well, was, but it the, was, that's the dumb one, though. That's the <laughs> dumb one. The one who, do, who goes first. The I smart mean, ones are the ones who yeah. say, like, let Kyle do it and see how far yeah. he gets. Yeah. You that, know, that, it, that crow's nickname was Deadwood. Yeah, I can tell you. If, 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 these, if these had been Robin's. They would have just been mass panic, and they would have been flying and smacking themselves into the glass. There's, but instead, there was this almost this communication between me and the crows, and it was really, it was really profound for me to, to experience that. And so it, that's always stuck with me ever since. And I've just always had a, a special affinity for crows since then. But wait, we stopped. We stopped you. Your story at Kyle. What happened after that? So Kyle <laughs> smacks into the window. Then what happened? Well, after that, um, I said, "Well, you know, my work here is done. I think they figured it out." And I walked out. And Five minutes later, all the crows were gone. They were out of the building. They wow. Yeah. Okay, back up. What happened to the crackers? Oh, they, they took yeah. them. I did That's the exact same. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pass them up. I mean, if, if they left yeah. them there, I would have gone back and eaten them. I love those things. Yeah. I made a row of Cheetos when my son was a toddler. <laughs> uh, I made a row of Cheetos to get him to go in a particular direction once, and it worked. <laughs> you know, Henry Ward Beecher said, if men had wings and bore black feathers... Few of them would be clever enough to be crows. And having tried that, I have to say he's totally right. I turns out I suck at building nests. More <laughs> crow talk when we come back. The cat of the week is Kiko from Ashland, Massachusetts. I have an audio album available to you, the listener, on all digital platforms. It was originally released as an HBO special in 1996, but this is the first time Paula Poundstone Goes to College is available as an audio album. It was filmed at an Ivy League university in Cambridge, where most people go for four years. I was able to get all I needed in one night. I talk about raising kids, financial deficits, and putting my tray table up. But best of all, there were lots of great audience members to talk to. And we're back with Dr. Brian O'Shea. Paula? Um, Brian, sometimes the crows uh, that are in the trees in the front of my house, sometimes they'll screech and hop around for long periods of time, and they used to dive bomb my son sometimes. Mm. What are they doing? Are they aggressive? Are they trying uh, to harm him? So the, the, the key word there is screech. Can you, can you make the sound that they make? Can you imitate them? Uh... No, I can't. I can't. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Uh, no, I don't know exactly what sound they. Uh, well, is it like you know, caw? Oh, Brian, would you make a couple of the sounds that you're wondering? Is it like a caw caw, or is it a? I don't know. It's bird talk. <laughs> Brian, make, do it again. Show, tell, show her the two different All ones. Right. So, Paula, really try to get this one. First one, caw 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 caw. Second one would be. No. 
or Maybe something like that. Maybe more like, like the second one, I think. Uh, okay. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. So, um, you know, when I hear the word screech, I don't really think of crows, right? I think of a bird, like blackbird that might be, that might superficially look like a crow because it's black, but mm-hmm. not actually be a crow. Um, okay, and, maybe screeching wasn't the right. Maybe okay. screeching was a poor choice of words on my part. They're loud, right? And they're—I feel like they're yelling at us. Okay, that sounds more like a crow because uh, crows kind of go hawk, 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 and you know it sounds a little different uh, if you go throughout the country, but it's pretty much always crows sound like crows. Um, I don't know how many years of crow you took in high school, (laughs) but I don't think you can speak it fluently. Uh, I've gotten a little bit rusty. That's that's true. You can probably do enough to get around crow town, but not, you know. So so let's get back to Paula's question. What were they doing? Uh, They were probably doing something we call mobbing, which is when they find something or somebody that they don't like and they just basically yell at it until it leaves. Um, and usually the, the object of that ire is an owl. In fact, if you're, you know, when I go into the woods and I hear a ton of, a bunch of crows calling way off in the woods and they, they sound, they actually have a different kind of call. They sound angry. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very aggressive kind of calling that they do. And mm-hmm. if they're, they're in a big group. Um, I'm almost always certain that there is an owl out there. And I've often found owls actually doing that. I mean, you just go to where the crows are and you'll often see them chasing the owl because eventually the owl flies. Yeah. Um, I, I, would they do that over a squirrel? They do it over a squirrel. They do it over people. Um, and they especially would if you were near their nest. Um, that's when oh. almost any bird will will protest if you get close to its nest. Um, as far as actually attacking a person, I've never heard of that happening. Um, I've relatively few birds will actually make physical contact with you when they're when they're mobbing you like yeah. that. You know what? This is, you're just like that woman who was the bird expert in the cafe. In the movie The Birds, insisting that birds would never do such thing. (laughs) And then later, she's hiding in the back of the restaurant because the birds have uh, crashed into the restaurant. This is exactly... uh, Have you, Brian, ever had a friend of yours pecked to death by birds? No. (laughs) I I was once almost stabbed in the eye by by a great egret. Uh, really? Oh, I, I know. A, a oh, so you feel like you feel like that was like a warning shot. So now you have to be a bird apologist, or else they might come for you. Well, I'll tell you, it's pretty scary. Almost getting stabbed in the face by an eagle. You don't want it to happen again. Wow, those are the big yeah. white things, are they? The big white things, yeah. Yeah, with that Ooh. dagger. Oh, yeah, those are giant. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Um. All right. Now you mentioned earlier that they are smart. What makes you say so? Well, um, take, for example, there's a, there's a crow on the island of New Caledonia, right, out in the Pacific. And this crow not only uses tools but actually makes them. Um, wow. It, it will, it will wow. Take, it will take objects in the environment and it will manipulate those objects to, try, to make them more suitable for getting grubs and, 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 and other food items out of, of holes and trees. Like by um, sharpening a stick or something? Sharpening it, bending it so that it makes it easier to get into a certain hole. Um, I don't really know of any other bird that can do that. There, there are birds that use tools. Um, there's a finch on the Galapagos that uses tools as well, but not to the degree that they actually can manipulate the tools to be more suitable for what they're doing. Um, the other thing about crows is that they, they have an amazing spatial memory. Right? So they're able to remember where things are um, long after. You know, If, if they cache food, for instance, if they, if they, if they hide food in the ground for, for later – off, they, they, they're able to go right back to where it was. Um, that actually happened to me. Some crows um, ate some baby robins out of a nest under my gutter. Ooh. And 
a year later, they came back and looked at the nest again to see if there was anything in it. Um, you know, and, and I knew it was the same crows. The second they showed up, I was like, those are the same crows that ate those babies last year. Because I don't know how – there's no other way they would have seen it because it was, you know, covered by the roof. So, um, you know, it, when, when you – when you consider those things and you just consider how social they are, yeah, you really mm-hmm. just um, you really just get an, uh, the impression that they're they're kind of on another level when it comes to intelligence. Well, I know the tool thing is because they saw the Jane Goodall documentary uh, about the chimpanzees using the tools, and there was a lot of jealousy, species versus species jealousy. They wanted their own documentary. Um, and I'm a little disappointed that the crows didn't uh, MacGyver their way out of your museum when they were trapped there. You know, I've wondered the same thing. I can tell you that they never got caught in there again. Um, so, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure they I'm sure they were still going in there after those lunches. You know why? You know why they never got caught in there again? Because they got a map. <laughs> said you are here bird brain the fact that they use tools is i agree amazing uh it would be even like a, a step above if they borrowed the tools from the neighbor and then returned them that would be well they don't need to do that because once they make a tool they just carry it around with them um you know, oh. if you, look, you know if you look at photos of new caledonian crows a lot of times they're carrying these little tools that they've that they've made but they ha- have they fashioned a toolbox? They have not done that yet, as far as yeah. I know. Or a belt, yeah, yeah. little tool belt. A yeah, belt, <laughs> belt would be perfect. They don't really yeah. have a waist, but like. Um, now they seem different to me from other birds, and like I don't know, they just sort of hop about. They don't seem extraordinary to me in the way that, the, like, they would never think of of dive bombing my son. But are there other ways in which crows are are more extraordinary than just regular old birds? Well, I mean, you know, with your son, you know, maybe, maybe he looked like somebody who wronged them in the past or something. I do know that crows are known to recognize individual people. Oh wow! Go after them if you know if they if they get close to them. So, so that that has happened before. Um, but that's also that's also happened with other birds as well. Now, is that like just anybody, or is it celebrities? Like. Like they go, oh my God, I think that's Britney Spears. And then they just all take off flying around her. Uh, really? Like they would recognize me? Not because I, I, I didn't mean that as a celebrity thing. I meant just as a regular. They would no, recognize me. No, you meant me. it as a celebrity thing. All right. I wouldn't mind giving them a little autograph. Uh, no, <laughs> as a, uh, I'm hoping they're listening now. Uh when you say they remember people, who knows that? Why do they know that? How do they know that? Well, the, the, the anecdote that I have from that is comes from an old mentor of mine, Kevin McGowan at Cornell. Uh, and he is the one who, uh, he's done a lot of research on crows. And uh, he studied fish crows in Florida. And he has a lot of anecdotes of that. Wait a minute, back up. Fish crows? The fuck is a fish crow? Yes, I'm sorry. Did I not mention? Yes, there there are actually multiple species of crows in the U.S., um, but I decided to stick with American crows because they're the ones that are most widespread. There is a fish crow. The fish crow is uh, only found in the United States. It's one of the few birds that are only found in the U.S. They're more tied to water, obviously. To me, where I live here in Raleigh, you know, we have fish crows in my neighborhood in the summer. But during the summer, all they eat is baby birds. And so there are birds chasing these fish crows around constantly. And I feel really bad for the birds because it's like the fish crows eat every single nest in my yard. And it kind of drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, But um, anyway, what I'm saying is that um, Kevin was studying these fish crows and he was looking at their nest, even from the ground. He wasn't even climbing to the nest. He was just looking Mm -hmm. from the ground. And the fish crows learned to recognize him and would would basically chase him around until he left. Um, 
you know, they would just follow him around. They would call and they'd fly over his head. Wow. Right. I'm, and uh-huh. I don't know if there's anybody wow. else out there looking, look, walking around their nest, but you know, they, they knew he was coming well before he even got to the nest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's terrible that they eat all terrible. the, it's terrible that they eat all the baby birds. I know, uh, yeah. so I don't imagine they're invited to a lot of all bird parties. No, they're uh, not well liked. I mean, the birds in my neighborhood terrorize those fish crows. They, the second the fish crows show up, there's just a, it's mayhem. Huh. <laughs> um, well, let's get to another question. Um, uh, this one was suggested by Bonnie Burns. Um, she wants to know about crow sex, the mating habits. Um, do they pair up? Uh, do they meet in high school and they stay together forever? Well, that's that's kind of hard to know um, because it's um, it's difficult to you know to do that. You're dealing with birds that are all black, right? And they all look you know to our eyes, they, they all look, look very much, much look the, the same. same, very much. Um, so to to really get at some of these questions, you have to catch them and mark them. And crows do not want to be caught, and they're very smart, so they're going to be hard to catch, and they're going to be even harder to recapture. All right. So um, so to do that really properly, you'd have to you'd have to mark crows and follow them for multiple years. And, um, I don't know if many studies have done that yet. Um, certainly possible, you know, there, there are ways to catch crows, but, um, so I can't really speak to whether they're, they mate for life. Uh, mm-hmm. but every breeding season, a pair of crows will mate and they will, you know, uh, you know, make their nest and they will, and they will raise their young. Um, and then, you know, when the non-breeding season comes, crows tend to flock up and, family pattern family groups may or may not stick together so we literally don't know the answer to that question. we don't know the answer to the i will say though that like most birds if they if they rear young successfully and they have a good territory and a good habitat then they will typically come back to the same area again so it could be that they split up in the winter and they come back and then they're like hey you're back all right and then they do it again yeah um, but i don't really know plus they get the frequent stayer points the way you do <laughs> yeah. with the hilton garden um I forget there was there was another Bonnie question. What was it? Oh, oh. What are they good for? Oh yeah. Ooh, that's a fantastic question. Um, you know they yeah they they're they're scavengers right? So like mm-hmm. any scavenger, scavengers are a critical part of any ecosystem. Um, it's hard for me to even you know put value on birds. You know I know people tend not to like them because they're loud and because they're raucous and it's just a whole stigma about crows being bad birds. I guess you know right the. The people I used to sell bird seed to when I worked at bird feeder stores would always complain about the crows, whether or not they were actually crows. I don't know, but they just, you know, they didn't want them there. Um, but I like crows, you know, from, I mean, I like crows, like I like all birds. Um, and that's, you know, crows are birds, birds do what they do. And I find them fascinating. So, uh, anything that's that smart, you know, and, and that ubiquitous, you know, it's a bird that you can see anywhere. Um, I, I don't know. I think crows are great. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Are there any sports teams named after crows? I don't think so. <laughs> no, only ravens, I think. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, there's ravens and hawks, but hawks are a different family too, aren't they? They're yeah, hawks like are raptors different. or something. Hawks are a different family, yeah. Hawks yeah. eat crows. Yeah, well, hawks ate Adam and Paula. <laughs> Ryan, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. Sure thing. Anytime. Yeah, that was excellent. And now we're going to run all of this information that you gave us through what we call the old pouncedinator. Paula? House Ben Ellis Montez from Montreal, Quebec on the Crumhorn. Thank you so much for your wonderful music. I had never even heard a Crumhorn to the best of my knowledge before tonight. It looks like a hollowed out cane, but it sounds so rich. So, House Band Ellis Montez, if I could get a little background music, I'll tell you what the old pounce donator spit out. 
Bird police! Bird police! A crow took my baby! <laughs> Stay calm, ma'am. I'm here to help. What did it look like? Well, people say she looks more like my husband. Now is not the time to get snarky about your husband, ma'am. What else can you tell me? She was wrapped in a blue blanket. You wrapped a crow in a blanket, ma'am? Maybe you angered the bird. No, my baby was wrapped in a blanket. I'm asking you to describe the crow, ma'am. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I got so confused. I'm so upset. Of course you are, ma'am. Now tell me about the crow. Did it seem angry? Yes, it seemed very angry. Is it possible, ma'am, that it was an older sibling acting out angrily because it was forced to stay in the nest to care for its younger crow sibling? It could have been an angry older sibling. I heard a door slam. We need to be sure which bird it was. When it approached you, did it make a caw, caw sound? Or was it more of a caw, caw sound? It, it was like a caw, caw. Yes, but was, ma'am, was it like a caw, caw? You're too close to my nest. Get away, you wingless lower species. Or was it a caw, caw? Like, my boyfriend and I are going to a party tonight. I don't care what you say. I'm not staying home taking <laughs> care of my bratty little brother. Oh, my gosh. I can see the blue blanket up in that pine tree. And there's my baby. It's in that tree. I've got to get my baby. I'll climb the tree. Hold on, ma'am. I can't let you do that. Why? How do you even know that's your baby? Lots of babies have blue blankets, ma'am. Do you or your husband have any owl tattoos, ma'am? That can make a crow make a caw, caw sound. Was it a caw, caw sound? Or was it more like a caw, caw sound? <laughs> Is it possible that it was a paw, paw sound? Maybe it was Johnny Crawford from The Rifleman. You are certifiable! He is the collections manager for ornithology at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences. Thank you, Dr. Brian O'Shea. Yay! Thanks, Brian. Thank you for having me. Oh, you were terrific. Thank you so much. Yes, uh, it was wonderful. Thanks. Coming up, sure, we've done 177 episodes, and that's a real milestone. But do we really know each other? Two Truths and a Lie is coming up next. Fun fact, women blink nearly twice as much as men, mostly because men spit when they talk. Thank you, Ellis Montes, our house band for episode 177. All right, Paula, what's up? You ready? I'm ready. Oh, my gosh. I'm starting to tear up. Uh, over the achievement of 177 shows. Oh, Adam, answer the phone. What? Answer, I, answer the phone. I, I am not sure I want to, but I guess on episode 177, I got to do what you say. Hello? Hello, Adam. It's Sherry Eva. <laughs> oh, Sherry Eva. <laughs> this is not the first time we've talked, is it? Uh, I, no, 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 it isn't. 
I knew it. I knew it. I'm calling Adam to congratulate you on your 100th show. What a milestone. What an achievement. <laughs> Thank you, Shereva, but it's it's not our 100th episode. I don't know why that would be a milestone. It's our 177th show. I knew it. I knew it. I can just feel how proud you feel. I know you've struggled in the last couple of years with your teenage daughter, and you haven't been on every episode, but still, this is an achievement. Uh, I don't have a teenage daughter, Shariva, and I have, in fact, been on every show. Did she get an emancipation? I knew it. I knew that can happen, but she's still yours, Adam, and she'll come to see that in the future. I see it clearly. But Goodbye for now, Adam. We'll talk soon. I just know it. I see that, too. Uh, thank you, Sher Eva, for congratulating us, even if she had the show number wrong. Huh. Wow. Yeah. It's an important number to a lot of, lot, of, lot of listeners, a lot of people very excited about well, our show anniversary. Yeah, 177. 177. <laughs> I never should have started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that thought. <laughs> Here we are on show 177. What do I got to show for it? <laughs> All right. So it was Bonnie Burns who suggested that we play this game. <laughs> it's a kind of a get to know each other tool. Um, uh, Bonnie, why don't you tell us the rules? The rules? Tell us how it's played. How, how do you play this game? <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess I think Adam knows them better than me, but I think the rules are you say two things that are true, one thing that's a lie, and then the other people have to guess which was the lie. Yes, yeah. All right. that's exactly the rules. That's the rules of two truths and a lie. They used to play this at the White House a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, except it was, it was called Three Lies. Just three lies. Um, uh, all right, who should go first? How about Tony Anita Hull? I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. 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 Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. Sure. Okay, I just want to say I had a preponderance of truths compared to lies. Oh, nice. That's, <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, uh, you know, I forgot to mention, it, it, it's not just dollars worth of advertising for Sisters Uptown Bookstore at 1942 Amsterdam Avenue in New York City. If Tony is able to use the word preponderance, this week's word, three times in a sentence correctly, it's Dollars worth of free advertising. I I forgot to mention that. That's the most important. Dollars worth of free advertising. But if Tony is unable to use the word preponderance correctly in a sentence three times uh, during the rest of the show, then we will be unable to provide that dollars worth of free advertising to Sisters Uptown Bookstore uh, at 1942 Amsterdam. Sure. I would say that we, you know, if Tony doesn't get the, that second and third preponderance in, we will not even be mentioning Sisters Uptown Bookstore on this show, let alone their address. Yeah. Yeah. No one will ever know that they're at 1942 Amsterdam Avenue in New York City. Uh, Sisters Uptown Bookstore, be damned if if Tony uh, is unable to complete this challenge. Uh, Adam, 
Adam, answer what? the phone. But we're gonna play a game. Uh, and, well, the phone's ringing. What? All right. Sorry, guys. Hold on. Uh, hello. Hey, 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 Adam, man. I, I was just calling to congratulate you on your 177th show. That's fantastic, man. I, I can't believe you managed to work with that bitch pile of bouncing up for all these episodes. I can't fucking believe it, man. Hey, M Mike, Mike, for one, I've told you not to use that language about my friend, and I enjoy working with Paula. It's not hard at all. Hey, man, that's what she said. Burn! <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding you. I know, you can get hard whatever you want. Mike, I... <laughs> I simply meant that it is not difficult to work with Paula Poundstone. Yeah, right. Then how come they have to do so many shows without you if you like working with her so much? <laughs> That's not true, Mike. I, God, I hate saying this. I'm on every show. Well, listen, man. If you ever want a break, you can help me with my influencing. I just made an Instagram story about the kind of dirt I track into my apartment on my shoes. That should go viral, man. Everybody wants to be like me. Listen, I gotta go. I'll talk to you later. We'll hang out after the game. Hey, 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 man. Happy 177th. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Wow. Another quadrant heard from on our continuing pursuit of uh, celebrating the 177th show. Wow. That was really nice of him to call. Boy, he loves you. It was, but why do you seem to always, like, forgive him for calling you a bitch? I don't know. It's not the worst thing anybody's ever called me. <laughs> okay. Hey, Tony Nita Hall, give us three things to know about you. Okay, here we go. My family calls me Miss T because I loved Mr. T as a kid. My graduate thesis project was a half-hour comedy pilot about senior pornography. I watched a preponderance amount of porn for research. I saw Daniel Radcliffe and How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying over 10 times on Broadway. That's a preponderance number of times. Oh, Wow. <laughs> now, Paula, you're going to have to rule on this. Tony did not use preponderance completely correctly from a from a dic right. diction standpoint. Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, she used it incorrectly yeah. twice there, I think. Oh. Preponderance. Yeah. Prepo I tried, oh. though. The, the, the spirit was there. Y you know what? Paula, was the deal that Tony would try? No, Tony, the, the deal, you know, Tony, someday you may go to the Sisters Uptown bookstore at 1942 Amsterdam Avenue in New York City, and you may have to look them in the face and say, I tried. I don't know if that's going to be enough. Uh, well, the show's not over, Tony. Well, I'm, I'm out of tries. Oh, oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. I sure do hope that when you arrive at the Sisters Uptown Bookstore at 1942 Amsterdam Avenue in New York City, I sure do hope you don't find a big chain on the door, Tony Anita Hull, because we would like very much to give them dollars worth of free advertising. Um, all right, wait, back up. So what was the what was the second? Uh, so, so the okay. So here, let me read them again. My family calls me Miss T because I loved Mr. T as a kid. My graduate thesis project was a half-hour comedy pilot about senior pornography. I saw Daniel Radcliffe and How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying over 10 times on Broadway. Thank you, guys. I, to me, Tony, Tony would see Daniel Radcliffe 10 me times. Me too. I, yeah. I, would, I would say that she would see Daniel Radcliffe 10 times, but seeing Daniel Radcliffe on Broadway 10 times is like nearly a, 
it's like over a thousand dollars, right? Yeah, it's probably it's probably pricey. I feel very confident that Tony Anita Hall did that senior porn thing. No, I think she didn't do that. And Miss T rings true as well. Miss T, I know is true. All right, Tony, here's what I think. I think that number two is just a dream for you, and I don't think number two is the. I, I think number two is the lie. I, I think it's aspirational. Okay, so Paula says number two is the lie. I say number three is the lie. Bonnie, what do you say? Number two is the lie. Tony, which is the lie? I did not see Daniel Radcliffe and how to succeed <gasps> oh. in business without really trying over ten times on Broadway. I probably saw it about six. Oh, oh, I thought maybe it could be a nuanced uh, lie like that. Okay. All right, boy, you got me. My graduate thesis project was a pilot about senior porn. So did you have to watch a lot of senior porn, like you said, just to... I did watch some pornography, which was very uncomfortable for me. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine how it was for the seniors. Was it on a film or was it live acted? Wait, what? <laughs> okay, did you just have an apartment near some older people and you were doing kind of a Harriet the Spy thing? No. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't even know there was such a thing as senior pornography. There is everything pornography. There is, unfortunately. I thought when people got to a certain age, they just grew the fuck up, but apparently not. I don't think you could name a kind of pornography that doesn't exist. Huh. We should do that as a party game at some point. But Yes. <laughs> there you go. I did see another Broadway show over 10 times, though. Which was? Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. What did you see? Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson I saw over 10 times on Broadway. Never even heard of it. There you go. You were the only person who saw that show. I was the only person who saw that show. It had a very <laughs> short run. I had a lot of visitors, so I take them to shows. See, well, I figured that you had so many friends that you somehow, like, because I, I did think the way Adam thought that, geez, that's awfully expensive. But I thought, Tony has so many friends that she got in to see that play for free, you know, eight times and then twice paid for it is what I figured. I, yeah, I never paid full price. Yeah, exactly. What, did you do TKTS yeah, or something? T, yeah, TKTS. What's TKTS? If you want to see a Broadway show, you go to this booth and day of show, you can get very inexpensive tickets. So long as you don't require vowels in the word tickets, you can get inexpensive <laughs> ones? That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Wow. That's, that's helpful to know. Well played, Tony. Let's head up to the Simi Valley and get two truths and a lie from Bonnie Burns. Okay, well, I've struggled with this because I'm not a good liar. So I had a dog that I really... Wait a minute. Back up. What did you just say? I'm not a good liar, and I can't... Bullshit! It's been very hard to think of something that's not true. But it's lies. I'm not saying it happens frequently, but they trip off of Bonnie Burns' lips. <laughs> you know, so she has no tells. No tells whatsoever. I'm very uncomfortable lying. Yeah, yeah, well... But you're going to have to right now, because that's the game. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, no, that's her first one. That's her first one when she just said, I'm very uncomfortable lying. Okay, that's the lie. (laughs) Okay, here we go. All right, go ahead, Pinocchio. So I had a dog that I was very bonded with. And one day I said to him, I know you know what I look like in my underwear. Okay, there's one. (laughs) You said that to your dog? Um, No, let's get the other two. 
Okay. You know how you guys always say that I'm not good about Halloween? I have a bad attitude? Okay, so I have these friends that really go all out on Halloween, and I dressed up, I got, I made my face green, and then I had a long black coat with a hood, so that I kind of thought I looked like that witchy woman from The Wizard of Oz, and when people would come up to my friend's house to go trick-or-treating, I'd jump out of the bushes and go, <laughs> happy Halloween. She did that where she hid in the bushes with a green face and a black hood. She did that at Christmas time to carolers. <laughs> All right, tell us your third one. Tell us okay, your third one. Here's my third one. Um, I ran a marathon. I got in really great shape, and I ended up running a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> what? Which marathon was it, Bonnie? It was the Simi Valley 10K. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, a 10K is not a marathon. Not a marathon. Well, it was a mini marathon. Well. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, is, does anyone not think that the third one is a lie? Bon- Bonnie did it 2.6 times. Uh, that's so it was a marathon. Uh, I said I wasn't a good liar. Everything I went to oh, make up, geez. I've done a lot of things. You guys know everything about me. I, we do We do know a lot about you. You're right about that. Bonnie, just for the formality's sake, would you reveal <laughs> which of those statements was the lie? I don't feel like telling you. I don't feel like telling you. It's episode 177. <laughs> All right. Well, we couldn't get you to conform to the game entirely, but uh, that was good, Bonnie. Thank you. All right, Adam. Okay, okay, here we go. Um, I'll give you my three. Okay. And I've chosen a category. And the category is youthful indiscretions. You know, Adam, we don't have to have categories. Well, I'm just telling you. I'm trying to help you guys out. This is all stuff that I did before the age of 21. Oh, for God's sakes. Okay. I had an apartment in Rome, found out that there was like a basement that was probably from ancient Rome, and I opened an illegal, I guess you'd call it nightclub down there until it was shut down by police like a week later. That's number one. Number two is I smuggled drugs across the English Channel in the late 80s with a Soviet national as my unwitting accomplice. And number three is I broke into a uh, a Boston infirmary when I was in college, accidentally got locked in, accidentally set off the alarm, and barely escaped before about 12 squad cars arrived. Hmm. Those are my two truths and a lie. I think it's two lies and a truth, and the third one is true. <laughs> well, you have to pick the lie. Oh. Um... The lie is, the lie is the first one. The uh, the illegal nightclub in, in Rome. Yep. Okay. Uh, Bonnie? I think the uh, lie is number three. The uh, infirmary in Massachusetts. Okay. And Tony? I agree with Paula. I think it's the first one. All right. I'll flip over all the cards and let you know it was indeed the first one. I did not open an illegal nightclub in Rome. I did the other two things. Wow. Well, you were an idiot to break into an infirmary. 
I didn't mean to. That was an accident. <laughs> it was the. Um, yeah, that can happen. We were invited to a party at a MIT frat. They didn't hear the doorbell because they were partying on the roof. And so we tried to fi- climb a fire escape, ended up in front of the Massachusetts Ear and Eye Infirmary on the fourth floor, um, found an open window. And we're like, well, maybe we can get up to the roof from here. And the uh, window slammed shut behind us. Wow. The next thing we knew, we stepped out into the hall, set off the alarm, and they had to run out of there, down four flights of stairs and out the door. Now do you want to tell the part about how you took the ears? I took a few ears. Yeah. If you see a bowl of ears, take an ear, leave an ear. If you need an ear, take an ear. If you have an ear, leave an ear. Sure. Exactly. I know the one. And so th- those are two true. Yeah, the the, uh, the Roman nightclub story, by the way, is a true story. It's not me. You know, I just wrote that book, Confessions of a Puppet Master, with Charles Band. Oh. At the age of like 15 or 16, he twice opened up a nightclub that he charged his friends for in the ruins of ancient Rome underneath the city. Wow. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, well done, Tony and Paula. I faked out Bonnie. All right, Paula. All right, here we go. I played a horse in my high school production of Equus and almost lost my eye. (laughs) Uh, My older sisters once tied me to a railroad track, and I saw Stephen King in a diner in Maine once, and I hid in the booth behind where he was sitting, sprang out, and scared the shit out of him, and I said, that's what you get. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bonnie, what do you think? Number three. Is the lie. Yes, I do. Go ahead, Tony. I would say three. And, Paula, I'm going to have to agree because it seems like the kind of thing you'd want to do but never got the chance. All right. All three of them are lies. (laughs) (laughs) i just enjoyed making shit up oh adam adam answer the phone really things were going so well yeah answer the phone all right hello hello (laughs) hey adam oh hi winnie hi what's your favorite color as long as I'm in a sharing mood, my favorite color is, in fact, blue, a nice deep blue. Because that's what I'm wearing right now. I'm wearing a pair of blue leggings and a and a deep blue midriff shirt. Ooh. Um, well, what a coincidence. It's not a coincidence, you idiot. I'm wearing it for you. Oh, uh, Winnie, why are you crying? <laughs> I'm not. You are, Winnie. I can hear you crying. Do you have my phone tapped? Winnie, I'm on the phone with you. I wouldn't have to have your phone tapped to hear that you were crying while I'm talking to you. I just told you I'm not crying. Okay. So, uh, Winnie, why did you call? I understand that it is the 177th episode of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast, and I'm sure... You think you're all that. Well. But you have discredited yourself, Adam Felber, in the eyes of your fans by not meeting your obligation to participate in our Zoom production of Love Letters. We could be celebrating our 177th episode of Love Letters. Egad. Instead, 
You're strutting around crowing about your 177th episode of your cockamamie podcast. Oh, come on, Winnie. I have an obligation to this podcast, Winnie. What the fuck are you talking about? You're not even there half the time. That's not true. I'm on every episode. Oh, stop bragging. I gotta go. My mother's coming. If she knows you made me cry again, she'll kill you. Bye. Bye, Winnie. Beautiful. Beautiful. You you know, Adam, you have touched so many lives. Let me just take this moment on on the occasion of our 177th episode to say you have you have touched so many. You know, people don't call me. Yeah, that that is a love bond. I guess, Paula, it it doesn't escape my attention that somehow all the callers tonight seem to be kind of trapped me into saying that I was on every episode. (laughs) You know what? It's something you should take pride in. And uh, okay. Every chance you have to put that out there, you feel free. I mean, a lot of a lot of listeners have written in about the fact that you're on every episode. Oh, I, I have I have seen it on our Facebook page. Let your light shine, Adam. Let your light shine. <laughs> and you know, speaking of our Facebook page and all our social media and public performances, uh, Paula, what's going on in the Poundstone product empire this week? Adam, this has been such a happy and productive time at Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated. Of course, our philosophy is share the love. So I've given generous bonuses to all of our employees in time for the holidays. She cut the pay last month. Now it's just back to where we started. Merry fucking Christmas. Holiday gifts abound at the shop at paulapoundstone.com. What nobody listens to Paula Poundstone listener doesn't dream of receiving a remarkably soft tri-poly blend t-shirt in classic or baseball style with my self-portrait on the left breast and memorable quote on the back underneath the tree or right over there near the menorah. Houseplants help with wintertime blues, but what helps with houseplants? A pick-me-up of worm castings. You can get rich, fresh worm waste for $4 per pound plus shipping from my worm farm. It's the funniest farm in the world. And for a limited time, for $30 plus shipping, you can get the How the Heck Does She Do It package, a pound of worm (laughs) castings and a short personalized video showing you some part of my worm farm process. Email me at paula at paulapoundstone.com to buy worm castings or... The how the heck does she do it package? There's more, of course, but Heidi. Wow, the how the heck does she do it package? A sounds like a bargain, and B sounds like you've created a very niche version of Cameo. It's very niche, very niche. Uh, short, personalized video. You know, but if you're out there and you like Paula Poundstone and worm castings, Pretty much the only product you're going to buy that, it's, it's for that, that scratches both those itches. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's for that rare Venn diagram <laughs> of, uh, of, of, of people who enjoy Paula Poundstone and uh, uh, are big fans of, of worm castings. So we got it all. That's fantastic, yeah. Paula. And I just want to remind everybody that, uh, you know, my book, Confessions of a Puppet Master with Charles Band. I wrote it with Charles Band. Um, his memoirs, it's crazy, it's fun, and it's out, and the reviews are really good. Um, Booklist called said it reads like a Tarantino film written by Hunter S. Thompson, which is the best review I'll ever get. You can get it um, at your local bookseller, or you can get it through Amazon or any of those other places. Available as an audiobook or an ebook. 
or a book book. And that's our show, everybody. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. If there is a subject or topic you want to know more about, give us a shout at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And that is our show, our 177th show. Yay! Yay! Oh, quite a milestone. Yeah. Anyway, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Lee Felber. Special thanks to guest Dr. Brian O'Shea. Yay! Yay! And to our house band, Ellis177 Montes. On the crumb horn, ladies and gentlemen. On the crumb horn. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Nita Hall. Star Burns production by Land Romo. Poundstone Industries production by Vic Lowry. Transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. Thanks also to the voice talent of Paul Matlock. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time now to check in and see if Tony Anita Hall used the word preponderance three times correctly. Drum roll. Uh, I am sorry. Sisters Uptown Bookstore at 1942 Amsterdam Avenue in New York City. Tony was unable to use the word preponderance correctly three times in a sentence during today's 177th historic episode uh, and we are unable to give you that dollar's worth of free advertising though she did try she did try you'll try again another time tony that's all right that's okay we're gonna win it anyway <laughs> that's our show for tonight won't somebody please listen to me wow 177 yeah uh, man i remember when the show was just a little baby just a teeny little baby in diapers uh, we were so much younger then, like, like literally, oh like God. two, two plus years younger. Yeah, I remember using the nose freedom on Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I won that bet, and it had to be you. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I did. I did kind of draw the short straw there, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. Who'd, have, who'd have guessed that she'd go from just a little baby that had to have a nose freeder used on her during the sessions of the podcast? Yeah, yeah. To an amateur pool shark. Yeah, and now we're singing that, uh, you know, Girl, You're a Pool Shark Now song. Girl, you're a pool shark, pool shark now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful story. Beautiful story. Bonnie, young Bonnie, has blossomed into womanhood during the time of this podcast. Oh, my. Yeah, she's been on medication and off it. Uh, I'm back on it again during the time of this podcast. I... She's, she's had her dosage doubled uh, during the really difficult days, I think, of the podcast. Yeah, but, you know, now she's just totally free bird. Yeah, lost the ability to lie. <laughs> Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. 
New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs> 